Good morning, everybody. We're uh, into Advent now, and um, I want to take a look over the next couple of Sundays at the writings of, of someone who comes up a fair bit at this time of year, and that's the prophet Isaiah. And if you know anything about the prophet Isaiah, he uh, is, is a prophet who was living before the exile and seeing ahead of time the exile taking place as a judgment on Israel uh, for for their sin, basically for neglecting to worship God rightly, um, being influenced by other nations and particularly neglecting their duty to the poor, to the widows and to orphans, uh, which if you know anything about the Old Testament is really so much of what uh, God is concerned about when it comes to worship. Um, I'd encourage you to, in your groups, have a read of the passage that I'm going to preach through now, which is Isaiah 40, verses 1 to 11. You know, uh, I think one of the things that this passage speaks to is the fact that we, as human beings, are captive to sin, and that, to use the language of Isaiah, that the desert that surrounds our lives as captives to sin can dominate us. I'm going to pick up the reading here from verse 1 of chapter 40. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. You see, Isaiah, looking forward and seeing God's people taken into exile for their sin, speaks of the hard service of their exilic state in verse 2. And he speaks of the fact that even if the Jews could escape clutches of their captors. A vast expanse of desert lay between them and their homeland. You know, walls and fences can serve as physical boundaries, but if you are serious about keeping a people captive, you actually need deterrence on the other side of those walls, between where the prisoners or captives are and where they want to be and that's why so many uh, you know prisons if you think about prisons are out somewhere a long way from anything they might be on a continent at the bottom of the world if you think about the settlement of Australia by the British and that's why uh, on the first maximum security prison in this country Morton Bay's own St Helena Island uh, it said that the guards fed the sharks that lived in the Bay was not just a thousand kilometres from Botany Bay, which might be the closest place that a convict might want to be, but if they were to get off the island they had to deal with the sharks and then that vast expanse of land. And for Israel, the wadis and the high mountains, the wild animals, the bandits, the vast dry expanse of desert uh, kept them trapped in Babylon as much as their chains did or the walls that may have been around them in a very real sense for the captive Israelites to leave captivity in Babylon and to go into the desert was to choose death. It's like this for 
us when um, we you know, are exiles from God's promised plans for our lives and captives to sin. It's not just that we are bound in our sins, but that there is such a vast expanse between where we are and where we should be. And we're not even sure if there is anything on the other side of that desert. When God calls us to leave the things that we are in bondage to, it can be frightening. Often, the things that bind us are actually giving some sort of shape to our life. And leaving them can mean leaving what security, purpose or meaning our lives do have. We might be afraid to leave our captivity because we fear that without the things that are keeping us captive, our lives might be empty that we might find ourselves out in the desert with no known way to a better life and that we might actually be choosing like the exiles in Babylon Babylon so long ago would have been uh, a kind of life in captivity or death in the desert it might be a, a, a destructive relationship for us it might be an unhealthy habit it, it might be um, some kind of particular ungodly pursuit pastime something that's a kind of false purpose giver in our life whatever it is it might be that that is what we know and it can seem to us like choosing between it and the desert are our only options uh, it can seem like choosing between the brokenness of our life, the entrapment that we have, that we know, and the great unknown, what might be no life at all. If you're watching this in your groups, or if you're going to discuss this in your groups together, I'd, I'd love you to talk about the question, to consider the question, have you ever felt God call you to give up something that was a significant part of your life? How did it feel? If you could leave it behind, you know, if you manage to leave it behind, are you glad that you did? The point being, we are captives to sin and the deserts that surround our lives in our captivity can dominate us. But do you want to know, I, I think there's good news. Uh, that news is that God has conquered and now dominates the desert through Jesus and through the Holy Spirit promises to lead us in to a fullness of life promised promised in the scripture. I'm going to pick up at verse 3 here from chapter 40. It goes on, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill be made low. The rough ground shall become level, and the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. While Isaiah can foresee the exile of his people and the challenges that it presents, his eyes are fixed on the revelation of God's glory because he also sees God liberating his people and delivering them back to their homeland, the land that he had promised them. It says in verse 5, And the glory 
of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This passage, Isaiah 41 to 11, is often read at this time of year because it is quoted in all four nativity stories um, in, in the four Gospels. Um, just one example, Mark 1, 2 to 3 says, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And the reason why the gospel writers quote Isaiah here is because they see in his words something that goes beyond the context that he foresees regarding the restoration of Israel to the promised land and pointing to an even greater fulfillment of the prophecy. The um, common study Bible study notes say this, the fulfillment most immediately in view when we read this passage is the return of the Jewish people after the end of exile. But the ultimate fulfillment of these verses we find in the works of Jesus Christ. In the same way that God went before the exiles and prepared a way for them to be liberated from their captors in Babylon and restored to the promised land, he goes before us, liberating us from our captivity to sin and making a way for us to come home to the life that he has intended for us, a life in community with him, a life that the scripture promises us, a type of promised land life or the promised life, if you will. If you are um, taking some time to ask the questions here, I'd prompt you to ask this. Have you had this experience of leaving um, behind a life of captivity to sin and being brought through into a life that is better and more fulfilling than your old life, a life in relationship with God. Maybe you could take a moment to tell your story on that front. You know, the point that I want to make here is that while we can be dominated by the desert that lays around our captivity to sin, God has conquered this desert through Jesus Christ who makes a way for us to pass through it into the true and eternal life that God has promised us. By God's grace and with the help of the Holy Spirit, I believe that in response to this truth that God has made a way for us through Jesus Christ that we need to, as it were, get on uh, with uh, being diggers as members of a road crew that is building a highway through the desert. Just come with me here for a moment. Verse 6 of chapter 40 says this, a voice says, cry out, and I say, what shall I cry? All people are like grass and their faithfulness is like the flowers of the fields. The grass withers and flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are like grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. You who bring good news to Zion, it goes on, go up on a high mountain. Go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. 
see the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends to his flock like a shepherd. He gathers lambs in his arms and he carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. I love this section of the passage, the way that it speaks of the tender care that God as a shepherd has for his people, gathering us in his arms like lambs, holding us close to his heart, gently leading us. But it also speaks of the shortness of our lives, of the temporal nature of so much that we could spend our lives in pursuit of. Our lives are like grass that withers, Isaiah says. But, he goes on, the word of the Lord endures forever. And that word, as we read it here in Isaiah, is a message of good news that God is saving his people, that he is freeing them from captivity, and that he is expediting them through the desert to a life of promise, to the fullness of life, eternal life. And so for Isaiah, the thing that we can do with our lives that is of eternal significance, that won't wither and die like grass, is to be bringers of that good news, to be uh, those who go up on a high mountain and shout it out, as it says in verse 9. By doing this, we become not only hearers of the word, as Jesus spoke of, but doers of the word, taking up the call of Isaiah and John the Baptist who echoes him, saying, prepare the way of the Lord. We become a part of making a highway through the wastelands of death and destruction by which liberative captives can come into the true, full and eternal life god promises you know there is something remarkable about this word highway that isaiah uses here the suggestion of historians is that there were no such structures existing where isaiah lived at the time the land that we would call israel or palestine this uh, hebrew word mesila refers to the kind of built up stone roads of the surrounding empires which dominated smaller nations like Israel. These roads were most likely built by slaves. They enabled the strong to efficiently dominate the weak, to lead them off into captivity and servitude. There is something profound then about the way that Isaiah uses this symbol of a road to paint a picture of captives being speedily and efficiently returned to their home, the promised land. You know, I'm aware uh, as someone who has been a Christian for a long time, someone who grapples with some of the difficulties of our faith, the complexity of scripture and theology, that I can sometimes make this Jesus thing more complicated than it needs to be. This Advent, I am challenged to be someone who hears what this passage is saying and makes straight paths for people like a member of a road crew that is building a highway through the desert, I want people to be able to come quickly and easily home to God. I want to have the effect for people of getting out of city traffic. I don't know if you've had this experience. On the first day of holidays and 
being able to put their foot down, to feel the weight and stress of life lift off them and to feel rest and peace and joy begin to settle on them as they anticipate very soon arriving somewhere that will bring them so much fulfillment. You know that feeling, don't you? Some of you are anticipating it this Christmas holidays as you get out onto the highway and head to the coast. If you're in your groups, I want you to ask this question. Have you ever felt that feeling of stress lifting off you as you finally get onto the highway uh, to go somewhere that you've really been looking forward to? And can you imagine a sort of spiritual parallel to this kind of highway experience? What might it mean to help people have this highway experience of going quickly and easily through the desert of death to promised eternal life? Hey, let me pray for you. God of hope, you call us from the exile of our sin with the good news of restoration. You build a highway through the wilderness. You come to us and you bring us home. Comfort us with the expectation of your saving power made known to us in Jesus Christ our Lord and draw us in Lord to that great work of building the highway home.